All right, this evening we invite you to the book of Revelation, chapter 14. The book of Revelation, chapter 14. We're going to read the whole chapter through. It's 20 verses. Begin with verse number 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harp. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts, and the elders. And no man could learn that song, but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which followed the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image. And whosoever receiveth the mark of, the na- of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord, from henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle, and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. He that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a very sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar which had fire over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in the sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, 
and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horses' bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of these verses. For several weeks we have been studying that of what is the gospel, and we've used uh, various phrases throughout that of the New Testament uh, to learn about the gospel. These phrases being descriptive phrases uh, of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Uh, the gospel of God. The gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of the grace of God and then we had uh, that of the gospel of the kingdom. I couldn't think for a second there uh, this morning. The gospel of uh, the kingdom. Uh, all of these, they give us uh, information about that of the gospel. Uh, the gospel being uh, good news, announcement of, of, of glad uh, tidings. Uh, and as we've uh, noted uh, upon occasion already, uh, the word gospel, uh, it's, it's used throughout uh, that of the Old Testament and that of the New Testament. There's a Hebrew word which is a counterpart to that of the New Testament word that we know of uh, that is translated primarily gospel. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, uh, that word uh, is translated uh, good tidings. Good tidings. Isaiah 52 verse 7 is an example of this. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publish peace, that bringeth good tidings of, of, of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God uh, reigneth. So there in, in that text, Isaiah uh, 52, we have uh, uh, the Hebrew uh, word for gospel, and it's translated uh, glad tidings. Other occurrences in the Old Testament was where uh, there were uh, uh, tidings with regards to that of victory uh, 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 in that of a war, uh, which we noted back a couple uh, weeks ago. Tonight, we want to focus in on one more phrase that is descriptive of the Gospel, and it's found here in that of our passage, and it's found uh, in verse number 6 of our passage. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and every kindred and tongue and people. The everlasting gospel. The everlasting gospel. What is the everlasting gospel? Is it a different gospel from that of the gospels that we've studied th thus far? Or is it the same gospel? Now we might just stop here and say to you that there are various views with regards to this. There are some who believe that there are different gospels. Different gospels for di different dispensations. They believe that individuals uh, were saved uh, uh, differently uh, in that of various dispensations. We are not of that opinion or of, of that belief. We believe that 
the gospel has been the same from the beginning all the way through that of the end. It's just a matter of a fact that uh, from the beginning up to the end, additional information is given over, uh, uh, as farther, farther and farther as you get into that of uh, the Word of God. Now, uh, to give you uh, an example as to why we believe uh, that the Gospel has been the same, if you'll turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We're going to begin with reading with verse number 6. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the Gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith, are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now, the reference that Paul makes here is to that of the blessing or the promise that God made unto Abraham uh, there in Genesis chapter 12, where he said, In thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Uh, and in what way? How are they going to be blessed through that of Abraham? It was that through Abraham would come uh, that of, of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one uh, that is described in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 as that of the seed of the woman who would be victorious over the seed of the serpent. So there, Paul, he speaks of Abraham uh, as uh, being one... Uh, who knew the gospel, the good news. Now, how much did Abraham know with regards to the, the gospel, the good news? How much detail had been revealed unto him? Beloved, it was what was necessary for him to believe. Everything that was necessary for him to believe uh, God, believe in that of the Messiah, the information was there. If you remember uh, back in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the promise of the promised one. Uh, as soon as Adam and Eve was thrust out of the garden, uh, Adam and Eve, that they knew each other, and she became with child, and uh, the indication there in the very first verse of chapter 4 is, is that uh, Eve thought that the one that she was going to bring forth was the one that had been promised. So from the very beginning, the promise was something that was believed and uh, looked forward to. So to Abraham, the Gospel was preached. And then, of course, we've already mentioned Genesis 3.15 as being an example of the Gospel in the Old Testament.
There is something that we would like to make mention though. We do believe that the gospel was preached in the Old Testament over and over and over in various ways. Not only through uh, uh, that of the prophets of old, but also through that of the uh, sacrifices, uh, uh, the worship. uh, All of that was pointing uh, to that of the way of God, uh, that way being through uh, the Lord Jesus and that of His sacrifice, the offering up up of His life, the shedding of uh, His blood. But we would say that as we come to the New Testament, that Paul spoke of that of another gospel. Galatians chapter 1, if you turn there with us. Galatians chapter 1. Paul here is writing to the church at Galatia. Church of Galatia. He says in verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. For though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now, the other gospel that Paul here speaks of was that of a perversion of the true gospel here. And he warns that of the churches of Galatia. That perversion of the gospel was was that simply this that works was necessary in order for one to be saved. That one must be circumcised in order uh, to be saved. That was the perversion of the gospel in that of Paul's day. And there's been various forms uh, of that perversion all down through uh, a history. And Paul here, he warns the churches of Galatia. And his warning is a very strong Warning, I would say. He says in verse number 8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which he had preached unto you, let him be accursed. Or in other words, let the curse of God be upon him. There is only one gospel. We need to take heed to that of Paul's warning. We need to beware of that of another gospel that is not, beloved, the gospel that is set here in the Scriptures. That gospel of God, which God is the author of. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That gospel that tells of that of the work of Jesus Christ, prophet, priest, and king. He being the very Son of God, God manifested in the flesh, come in flesh to die and to give His life that sinners might be saved. The Gospel of grace, the good news 
of God's favor bestowed upon those who are undeserving, who do not merit it. And then the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel, the good news about the kingdom. About the kingdom. That there is a kingdom. There's a glorious kingdom. And it's one that we who are the children of God, we are already a part of in the sense that God rules and reigns in our hearts and there will be a fuller revelation of it yet in the near future. The one Gospel. Going back to that of our text now. What is this one Gospel? Revelation chapter 14. Let's just look at the context leading up to that of our passage. There's a lot here that is not real clear. But there are some things that we can glean glean from that of the passage. John is the one who is writing. He says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their forehead. Here, what is brought before us, first of all, in this chapter is that of the Lamb. Uh, uh, and he's standing on that of Mount Zion. Uh, he has uh, that of a group around him, uh, described as that of. 144,000 which have their father's name his father's name written in their foreheads uh, these undoubtedly being that of the redeemed uh, it says and I heard a voice from heaven that is John saying here as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps and they sung as it were a new song Unto uh, before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouths was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Definitely we have that of the redeemed here. We have the redeemed uh, uh, with a song. Uh, a song that only they can sing. Uh, it would seem to indicate uh, from that of, uh, of the passage uh, here. And then in verse 6 it says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of the heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come. And worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountain, fountains of waters. The everlasting Gospel proclaimed here 
to them that dwell on the earth, every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. So, in other words, I believe that we can say that the idea here is, is, is that the gospel here that is being spoken of here is the everlasting gospel. It is good news and it is the good news as we think of it concerning that of the Lord Jesus, that of what He did, the Lamb of God, and it's being proclaimed all throughout the world. Over in Matthew chapter 24, And in verse number 14, it says, And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Interesting. I believe we have a connection there between that verse and the verses that are here before us in Revelation chapter 14. For as we go on to read... The angel declares, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Third angel followed them, saying, "What with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in the forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb." Here we have that of the message to fear God, to give Him glory, to worship Him. And that those who do not, that those who worship that of the beast, they're going to know that is the judgment of God. They should drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Beloved, as we look here in these verses, I know we have a, have a lot of symbolic language here. But I think just upon that of the very surface of these verses, we can see that here is the same message. The same message of the Gospel. Paul declared the whole world guilty before God. He declared judgment. He declared the gospel of God which is in Jesus Christ. He declared God worthy of glory and adoration. As you remember over in Romans, there there in the first few chapters. That's the message of the gospel. Or elements of of that message. The everlasting gospel. What does, what does 
the description tell us about this gospel? Well, first of all, it tells us about its origin. And the origin of it, of course, is given to us in that of the actual phrase itself, uh, which is the everlasting gospel. It is everlasting and it is everlasting. And as it is everlasting, it must have originated from that of eternity. But the gospel was not that of an afterthought. It was not that of an afterthought. The Lord Jesus being crucified there upon the cross, it wasn't, beloved, that there was nothing that God could do, you know, that He couldn't do anything with regards to that of His Son when they crucified Him there upon the cross. No, beloved. That's totally contrary to the Scriptures. The Scriptures tells us that it pleased the Father to lose Beloved, what Jesus went through upon the cross... Beloved, it was for you and for me, and it was all agreed upon that Christ would do. That He would come, that He would give His life, pay the sin debt, bear the penalty of our sins upon that of the tree. The everlasting covenant of redemption tells of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's agreement to redeem a people from that of Adam's race. The Father chose, the Son agreed to come and redeem, and the Holy Spirit is the one that applies the redemption. And the elements of of this covenant are found throughout that of the Holy Scriptures. So the origin, it goes all the way back to eternity. It's God. It's the Gospel of God. Who is eternal? The character of the everlasting gospel, well again, uh, we can say it's found there right in the phrase itself, it's everlasting. It is the everlasting gospel because it gives everlasting results. It promises that of eternal life. Everlasting life. only does it promise everlasting life it promises eternal deliverance from that of sin as the saints of God we're not completely delivered right at the moment as we live here upon the earth but beloved there will be one day that we as God's people we who are here and beloved all of us the whole number of the redeemed will be delivered everlastingly from that of sin. No more sin. No more sin. It promises everlasting judgment for those who do not receive it. Everlasting judgment. Yes, the enemies of Christ, they'll get that of their just due. There will be no escape from that of the judgment that will come upon them. Lastly, I would have us note that of the power of the everlasting gospel. The power. Paul wrote, and we'll turn there, Romans chapter 1. 
Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Beloved, the gospel, the everlasting gospel, it's powerful. It's powerful. It brings, beloved, salvation. It brings salvation. Um, we trust that this has been a blessing in some way uh, to your heart this afternoon. You know, we sang that song at the end of our hymns this afternoon. Tell me the old, old story. Yes, we need to hear that old story. And as the songwriter put it, we need to be told it over and over. For as the songwriter wrote, how soon we soon forget. All right. All right, let us stand and we'll have a closing hand.
pray that in all things you will be honored and glorified. The gospel would have great impact and power here even this time. Father, we pray your blessing now as we part and we direct our lives throughout this coming week. Bless us. Bless our country. Father, we think of Jim saints is precious in your sight. Father, we pray that his life will be truly a testimony and a light to his own family. Bless them. Bless our families again. Save them for your own honor and glory. Lord, direct us now throughout this coming week. We pray for Sarah and pray that you would remember her and bless her and her family Pray this all in the name of our Savior, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. That was Jasper's amen. <laughs> he slept.